This week on the Iowa Watch Connection. We don't necessarily know who's going to be active in the Senate race right now because so much of it comes so late. They, they want to focus that on the last days before the voters go to the polls. If you thought a lot of money was spent in the last election cycle, just wait. Over $140 million. And the thought is, is that this year it will be an awful lot more. And we may be the center of the spending universe. And I think in particular, there's going to be a lot of what we call dark money. There are a lot of groups with an interest in Iowa. Dark money in politics, our topic this week. The Iowa Watch Connection is presented by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism. Online at iowawatch.org. Here is Jeff Stein. The November general election is just a month away. It seems Republicans and Democrats can't agree on anything these days, including how to debate each other. But they do have one thing in common, the need for money in order to run their campaigns. And the landscape and the players involved have changed in recent years. Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism Executive Director and Editor Lyle Muller has our story. Iowa incumbent U.S. Senator Chuck Grassley's campaign went into July with $5.9 million in the bank for his campaign for another six-year term in Washington. That was 25 times more than his challenger Democrat Patty Judge, who had $229,000. Both Grassley and Judge have collected more in donations and have been spending an ad since those figures were released. We won't know how much more, though, until later this month after new campaign disclosure reports are due October 15th with the Federal Elections Commission. But those numbers tell only part of the story when it comes to this Senate campaign. That's because additional campaign-related spending, with what is known as dark money, exists. Dark money is the legally spent cash by nonprofit groups, usually a 501c4 that claims social welfare as its purpose, or a 501c6 trade association that pushes for political answers to issues. This cash is called dark money because the organizations do not have to report the sources of their funding. Moreover, these organizations may spend as much as they want, or at least as much as they have, on political campaigning. Robert McGuire, political nonprofits editor at the Center for Responsive Politics, which runs the website OpenSecrets.org, says Iowa will attract a lot of dark money before the elections finally are held next month. It's a state where there is a contentious Senate race where the side who holds sort of the the reins of Congress and particularly of the Senate. Uh, is in the balance uh, with Chuck Grassley's race as well as a few other races around the country. So there's going to be a large amount of attention, a large amount of money, and wherever there's money, we're interested. Group spending so-called dark money dropped more than $174 million on the 2014 midterm elections, Open Secrets reports. That's far more than the $5.2 million 10 years ago in 2006. Dark money spending in the Iowa Senate race that Open Secrets found so far this year has amounted to $123,910, at least that's of Tuesday, October 4th. The two groups showing the most interest in the Grassley Judge campaign are the National Rifle Association, which had spent $84,842 as of October 4th on behalf of Grassley, and a group called the Constitutional Responsibility Project, formed earlier this year to urge Republicans to hold Senate hearings on the nomination of Merrick Garland to be on the Supreme Court. You remember Garland. 
President Barack Obama nominated him to replace conservative Justice Antonin Scalia after Scalia died in February. Chuck Grassley, the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, says he will not convene a hearing on the nomination until the next U.S. president is elected. And thus, the Constitutional Responsibility Project has spent $31,273 so far calling for those hearings and at the same time delivering a patty judge criticism of Grassley. Open Secrets considers the Constitutional Responsibility Project to be an issues-oriented group that isn't defined as liberal or conservative. Groups it notes, though, as being liberal had spent $8,567 as of October 4th in Iowa. Conservative groups had spent $85,070, with the NRA spending comprising almost all of that. These amounts are a far cry from what has been spent on other campaigns. Open Secrets reported that some $9.2 million in dark money was spent on the Joni Ernst Bruce Braley Senate campaign in Iowa in 2014. That was the fourth highest amount spent on any 2014 U.S. Senate campaign. $6.6 million of that $9.2 million was spent either supporting Republicans or criticizing Democrats, the Open Secrets numbers show. Again, Robert McGuire. And I think in particular there's going to be a lot of what we call dark money uh, in in this election because Iowa has uh, a pretty strong uh, influence. Uh, there, there are a lot of groups with an interest in Iowa. Um, you saw it in the Joni Ernst Bruce Braley race where you had uh, Joni Ernst had her own dark money group that was set up by the Koch brothers called Tree of Liberty that was spending, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to try and get her elected, as well as groups, um, you know, operated out of mailboxes uh, with millions of dollars just sort of barraging Bruce Braley with ads during that cycle. And I think we're going to see a similar thing happen with the Grassley race, um, if it be, you know, if it is at all competitive. To date, who are you aware of who is interested in Iowa? Well, I, I guess I would say historically, um, first of all, there are several big groups that operate out of Iowa. So you have the American Future Fund, which is one of the largest dark money groups in existence. It used to be a part of the Koch network. It is so it has sort of been cast out as a result of a campaign money laundering issue in California in 2012. Um, but it's it's now like a C4 for hire. It goes around. It's been running ads in Puerto Rico. It ran ads in North Carolina Senate race. Um, it, it goes all around the country and just dumps money into those races. Um, uh, it has an it, it, it itself has an array of groups. The Iowa Progress Project that just now is called the Progress Project. Uh, the Legacy Foundation Action, which has some board shares board members and things like that. So Iowa, uh, as a state, has some of the largest groups uh, in existence or most questionable groups. The Merrick Garland nomination aside, Chuck Grassley has been a popular senator in Iowa. He won his last election six years ago by 31 percentage points over Democrat Roxanne Conlin. The Dealey Iowans Ethics and Politics Initiative a special project by that University of Iowa student-run newspaper to dig into political news, spent a day with Grassley in Washington last March during the week that President Obama nominated Garland. A note, I work with that team as its coach, although the Daily Iowan and Iowa Watch are separate entities. Former Daily Iowan reporter Rebecca Morin was on that visit in March. She is with Politico now as a web editor who does some reporting out of Washington. 
She said Grassley went into the campaign knowing his refusal to hold nomination hearings for Garland would be part of the Senate campaign. Yes, I believe Senator Grassley is um, quite aware about the holding Supreme Court hearings and how that will affect him even here in Iowa, not just nationally. Um, Obviously, um, when we were there that week in D.C., um, the next day, um, that is when President Obama announced the nominee. And then subsequently following that, the next day, um, Senate Democrats were on the the foot of the Supreme Court holding um, a sort of press conference urging Senate Republicans, including Senator Grassley, to to hold hearings. So it, it's definitely something that he knows is there. How much will we hear from people with an axe to grind over the Garland nomination? Or from those pleased to see Grassley take this stand? We cannot say yet. Robert McGuire with Open Secrets would like to know that, as much as others following the campaign would. What I'm getting at is we don't necessarily know who's going to be active in the Senate race right now because so much of it comes so late. They, they want to focus that on the last days before the voters go to the polls. I'm Lyle Muller for the Iowa Watch Connection. And Lyle Muller joins me now. Lyle, is the problem of dark money getting worse as time goes on as we have this ever-increasing dependence on money in all areas of politics and campaigns? The notion of, is it worse, is always in the eyes of the beholder. But one thing you want to think about is there are some people who don't think it's worse, and those are the people with an awful lot of money who want to keep secret. They don't want people to know that they are influencing government. So in that sense, there are some people who like it. But the bottom line is most of us aren't rich, and in fact, we are very suspicious about who is in control of a political candidate. You take a look at some of the figures that Open Secrets has. Ten years ago, $5 million in dark money, or what we would call dark money, money that is put into a campaign and we don't know where it's particularly coming from, And that compares with two years ago when it was over $140 million, over $140 million, and that's quite a boost. And the thought is is that this year it will be an awful lot more, and in particular it will be spent in October or close to the election because that's when people are paying attention. I wonder if there's a point of diminishing return. In other words, there's so much money and so many messages that we just start ignoring them. It's hard to tell, and you have some experience watching this stuff happen over the years too, Jeff. I'm sure you'll have some thoughts on it at some point in time as well. But you take a look at the Joni Ernst-Bruce Braley campaign. A lot of money was spent on that campaign, either for the candidates or by the candidates. Open Secrets says it was about $9.8 million for Joni Ernst, $9.3 million for Bruce Braley. And when you look at the Joni Ernst side, there were the Cook brothers who were involved with their PACs and also their organizations. On the Bruce Braley side, it was Tom Steyer and Next Gen Climate. So the money was going into both of those campaigns. But Joni Ernst is credited with having an effective advertising campaign and putting herself in the U.S. Senate. You'd have to think that whenever something works, people want to duplicate it, and if they were on the losing end, they want to figure out how they can do what the winners did a lot better. So I don't know where the point of diminishing returns is with people because they still have to go to the polls and make some sort of decision. It used to be that this spending was limited to television, radio, maybe a little direct mail, but now it's a far more diversified portfolio that 
they're spending the money on. It is, and boy, you take a look at YouTube anytime you want to watch something. If you are watching something political, you are going to get a political ad popping up on there. Your social media, the invasion there is occurring, Facebook ads, whatever that might play out as, online certainly exists. Direct mail and emails also exist. But here's something, besides just spending on advertising, political campaigns now don't have to go through third parties to get their message out. They can send them out directly. So if you see at real Donald Trump or at Hillary Clinton on Twitter, you're getting something directly from the campaigns. It's not going through an advertising agency. It's not fitting into a box that broadcasters might provide for you or a little corner of a newspaper. The campaigns are controlling the message, but also they have now better access to the methods to reach the audience. And so that's a big change from uh, many years ago, and it's even evolved from 10 years ago. Lyle Muller, thanks for your insight. Coming up, more about dark money from a man who has extensively researched and reported on political spending in America. That's next as the Iowa Watch Connection continues. The Iowa Watch Connection radio program is part of a statewide audience engagement project organized by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, an independent, nonprofit, nonpartisan news organization. The center is dedicated to producing high-quality investigative and community affairs journalism in Iowa, while also training journalism students to do this work at a high ethical level. The center is found online at iowawatch.org. Welcome back to the Iowa Watch Connection. I'm Jeff Stein. Robert McGuire has researched outside political spending and political action committee spending for the Center for Responsive Politics and Open Secrets since August 2011. He started the center's politically active nonprofits project the next year and tracks dark money networks. He spoke more with Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism Executive Director and Editor Lyle Muller about campaign spending in Iowa, including dark money spending, during an investigative reporters and editors conference. There is a, a certain limit where it doesn't matter anymore how much you necessarily have in your campaign. I think every candidate wants to have as much money as possible in their campaign, which is why they spend a huge amount of their time, 30 to 70 percent of their time, raising money. Uh, so they're not going to stop that. But but once you get to a certain point where you can keep your staff employed, um, do sort of the basic functions of the campaign, you can attract large contributions to a 501c4 or a super PAC that is going to come in on your behalf and run just thousands of ads on your behalf. So to some extent that has limited the amount that, that a campaign is necessary. Um, what you have after that is the question of, you know, when you're getting massive amounts of money from a handful of interests, what does that mean? What what kind of access do those people get to you as a policymaker? Um, and what, just sort of what kind of FaceTime do they get with you? And the second point of, uh, that I was going to make uh, uh, along those lines is, the vast amount, of, the vast majority of Americans don't give campaign contributions. It's something like 
0.04% of the American population gives more than $200. $200. So we're not talking about even reaching the, the legal limit of, a, of a, a PAC contribution or a campaign contribution, you know, so a couple thousand dollars. Um, but then you have these people who are coming in, maxing out to the party, maxing out to the candidates, you know, spending tens, hundreds of thousands, and then also on top of that, giving hundreds of thousands or if not millions to super PACs. And the question is, you know, normal people don't get access to their politicians. And if they do, it's maybe a few minutes. Whereas if you're a wealthy donor, you get extended access to the to the politicians. They are calling you for money, so you get to speak to them on the phone. So there's this question of sort of distorted interests in terms of what politicians do once they are actually elected. The money that we're talking about outside of the campaign, that's the dark money. Right. And you spend a lot of time trying to sift through that. Explain how difficult that is. <sighs> it's, it's hard to know even where to start. So I would say, you know, not all of the outside spending is dark money. So you have super PACs, for example, and they have to disclose their donors. So you see, you know, a Sheldon Adelson on the right or a Tom Steyer on the left giving tens of millions of dollars. Um, that's disclosed. Um, but what we've been seeing more and more since 2008, and particularly since Citizens United in 2010, um, is an increase in spending from 501c4 social welfare organizations and 501c6 trade associations. Um, these are organizations that are not supposed to be political organizations. They're supposed to serve, uh, you know, in the case of a trade association, they're supposed to be serving the interests of a particular uh business uh, category, you know, the National Association of Realtors or something like that. Um, or a social welfare organization, they're supposed to be promoting the general welfare of a community at large, not supposed to be supporting a particular candidate or a particular party. But because the IRS um, has been completely unable to actually track the the activities of these organizations and to even define how much political activity they're allowed to engage in. And because the FEC deadlocks the Federal Election Commission, because they deadlock on every decision of import, um, the, the, these groups that don't have to disclose their donors have been spending freely in elections. Um, and because they're not supposed to be political, they're not set up to file on a political uh, sort of an, a, 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 a schedule that is relevant to an election. So, for example, uh, if you're a 501c4 social welfare organization, a dark money group, you spend millions, tens of millions in election. Um, you file some of that spending with the FEC, but only the spending, not your overall activities or anything like that, just purely the spending that you're doing to support that candidate. Then you wait until a year after the election to file a tax return. So by then, the entire world has moved on to the next election. Nobody is looking back and paying attention to what happened in the midterm or what happened in the last presidential election. Whereas if it was happening in real time, there might be some sort of... Uh, more reporting, more sort of pressure to say, you know, where is this money coming from? Um, but it just doesn't happen. It, it, it really, when you look at it, when you look at the fact that these groups spend so freely, um, you start to see that they, they are a perfect fit for anyone 
who wants to spend without having their fingerprints on the ads um, because there is no donor disclosure, because there is no itemized expenditures, because the filing schedule is so late, um, and because the agencies overseeing them are, are inept. Um, so all of this sort of comes together um, and, and makes them the perfect vehicle um, for anonymous political spending and makes people like me crazy trying to track what they're actually doing. In your presentations, you show a pretty dense network. It's a little more than three degrees of separation, is it not? Mm -hmm. Three degrees between the groups. Yes. Right. Uh, three degrees of separation between the groups, but is that necessarily three degrees of separation between the people involved with the groups? Well, the first thing I would say is in terms of the people involved, I would say the public doesn't know who's funding these groups. But the candidates almost certainly know who's funding them. So the candidates know, if they get into office, who they need to uh, sort of appease or give access to once they're in office. They know who they need to thank for getting them into office. So I think that we, we, there is a disparity in information between what the public knows and what the candidates and what the operatives know. But as far as the networks go, there, there's actually a very specific reason that it's set up this way. And it's set up that way to make it impossible for the IRS to prove that they're political organizations. The biggest lesson I've learned from doing this is that if you have enough money to spend millions in politics, you have enough money to hire the best lawyers in the country to make sure that you are covered. Uh, you are not going to get in trouble. Iowa Watch Executive Director and Editor Lyle Muller in conversation with Robert McGuire of the Center for Responsive Politics and Open Secrets. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. Next week, we'll examine the plight of homeless veterans here in the state of Iowa. In the meantime, you can connect with us online, iowawatch.org. Follow us on Twitter, at Iowa Watch, and be sure to use the hashtag IAWatchConnection when commenting about the program. We're on Facebook, too, facebook.com slash iowawatch. And you can let us know your thoughts about this program or suggest ideas for future programs by email. The address is radio at iowawatch.org. The program is produced in the studios of KXEL Radio, Waterloo, Cedar Falls, Cedar Rapids. I'm Jeff Stein. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you'll make the Iowa Watch Connection again next week. The Iowa Watch Connection is a copyrighted presentation of the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, which is solely responsible for its content. For more information about the center, including how you can contribute so high-quality investigative and community affairs journalism and student training can continue, go online, iowawatch.org.